Okay, good. So we couldn't finish that last week here. Um, so today we're going to continue on the discussion. And today's today's Bible study, like I said in the group, and by the way, if you're not in the WhatsApp group, you could you do well to join um, so you can have access to our previous Bible study, the summary, and also any further conversation around what we're discussing. But yeah, last, like I said in the group, I want today's, today's study to be a lot more conversational. There were two questions last week that were that were asked. Let me start with those questions and the answers to those questions. So the first thing was that someone asked, um, "What if?" So someone asked that um, is visions having visions and dreams and supernatural experiences does it mean the person is more spiritual? Does it denote spiritual maturity? And um, so he was asking basically to know if. The more you mature spiritually, then the more dreams you have, the more visions and the more supernatural experiences, which is actually a very valid question because we tend to see that a lot. So this is the answer to start with. Number one is, so the answer is two ways, yes and no. No and yes. So no, first of all, because having dreams and visions and seeing angels or having supernatural experiences is not a proof of spiritual growth. Um, it is rather a testament to, to either the giftings of God in a person's life um, or the sovereignty of God operating in a person's life, but it is not necessarily a sign of spiritual growth, meaning you cannot measure, you cannot see someone and say, um, okay, two people, for instance, if one person has, in a week, let's say if one person has five visions in a week and the other person only has one vision in a week, and then we now say, oh, the person with five visions is more, spiritual than the person with one vision. It's not true. It doesn't follow that way. And um, we looked at examples from scripture. Number one, we look at Apostle Paul. When he was going to give his, the encounter that led him to Christ was a very supernatural encounter. But at that encounter, he was going to kill Christians. He was on his way to murder people who believed in God. But yet Jesus appeared to him. So that appearance was not a result of anything Paul had done on his own. It wasn't a result of Paul's prayer or fasting or anything. It was the sovereignty of God and what God decided to do. And, and Paul had that encounter. And secondly, when we look at, at Cornelius, we see that the Bible says Cornelius was a devout man. He you know, gave, gave arms and prayed, but he was not yet a Christian because the angel of God had to, the angel of God appeared to him and told him that he should send for Peter, and then Peter would preach the gospel to him that would eventually lead him to Christ. So by every standard, Cornelius was not yet born again. He was not yet mature spiritually, even though he had a heart for God, but he had not yet come to know God for himself. So we see that if, um, even though Cornelius was not mature, was not officially a Christian, yet an angel appeared to him, and he had a supernatural he had a supernatural um, encounter. So this goes to say that supernatural encounters do, do, do not necessarily mean the person is a matured believer. Okay, so that's on one hand, no. And I said again, yes, in, on the other hand, and let me explain that. There are times when as we grow, as we begin to seek after God, as we pursue after God, either in prayers, in fasting, in, in devoted seasons of worship, at those moments, our spiritual senses are heightened. Our, our physical flesh is, um, is, you know what Paul says, I put my flesh under. So we, we deny the pleasures of our flesh so that our spirits can gain more expression. So in moments like that, it is easier for someone 
to have a, a supernatural encounter. Now, this does not mean you can control the encounter by fasting or by praying for long, but your exercise in fasting, your exercise in prayers, your exercise in, in extended time, times of worship puts you in a position that is more receptive to the, to the speakings of God. So if God decides to speak to you through dreams or visions or anything, or any other method rather, you are in a better position to receive it because at that point, your spiritual senses are heightened. Okay, so if someone decides to go, let's say, on a seven-day fast, he's more likely to hear from God than someone who has just been eating, eating and eating and eating and not spending time in prayer and in and fellowship with God. Okay, so in that regard, yes, our exercise in spiritual, um, in spiritual things puts us in a better position to access and to receive the, the communications of God, whether they come through visions or dreams or, or spectacular encounters or just the spoken word of God to our hearts. However God decides to speak, um, the speakings of God, our spirits are more receptive to the speakings of God when we, are, when we undergo spiritual exercise. Okay, so I hope that's clear enough. So yeah, um, spiritual experiences don't necessarily signify that someone has been someone is mature the real proof of maturity is to the extent to which our lives have been transformed to reflect christ the real proof of spiritual maturity is the extent to which our lives have been have been designed or have been disciplined to reflect christ so whether someone shows a miraculous um, sign or not if i look at a person's life and i look at christ's life the, the closeness of the person's life to Christ's life is what tells me how mature that person is. And um, um, that, takes, that takes time most times. That takes working with God. And also, there are, there are people, and this from, from a lot of my personal experience, <clears throat> I've had people who, are, who have spiritual encounters, who, have, who can, the moment we start praying, they just start seeing visions. They can tell you what is going on in the realm of the spirit, but they are still going through the process of growth. And I know that they are still, um, they are still, for lack of a better word, they are still spiritual babies in quotes, you know, but they see visions and dreams. So having those spectacular encounters is not a proof of spiritual maturity. We still have to go to the word of God, study God's word, let our character develop into the character of Christ, let our patience, long suffering, and, and you know, all of that. Okay. So that was one. The second question was, was about, so the person asked, can we ask for spiritual encounter? Can, can we desire spiritual encounters, even if even if we don't tell God which one, which kind of encounter we should have? Um, and I said, in answer to that, I said yes. We can desire spiritual encounters, and when we read the book of First um, Corinthians, I believe chapter fourteen, Paul says we should desire spiritual gifts. Um, we should desire spiritual encounters. We should desire things of the spirit. So it is very okay to desire spiritual encounters. However, like I said last week, you cannot tell God what encounters to give you. Okay, and in, you know, last week we we looked at the difference between spectacular and spiritual. So spectacular encounters, um, such as having dreams, such as seeing visions, such as um, having angelic experiences and encounters, spectacular encounters like that. Um, don't always translate into what is spiritual. And we read the book of um, First Kings and we talked about Elijah's experience when he was in the mountain and there was an earthquake, there was wind that broke the rocks into pieces, there was fire, 
um, but God was not in all of this. And at the end of the day, there was a still small voice and God was in that voice. And we saw that some spectacular encounters don't necessarily represent the presence of God. So while we can desire to have supernatural experiences, yet we don't tell God what experiences we should. We don't tell God what experiences we should have. He, in his sovereignty, decides whether he's going to give us a vision or he's going to give us a dream or he's going to allow angels appear to us. And we looked at a couple of experiences in the, in the, New, in the New Testament. We saw that for Mary, the angel appeared to her on a normal day, like doing her work physically. The angel appeared to her. But for Joseph, the angel appeared to, to him in his dream. When we go to the experience, the encounter that Peter had, the angel, sorry, um, while he was praying, Peter fell into a trance, the Bible says. But then after the trance, God now God still spoke to Peter. So God could have spoken to Peter what he wanted to say later on in that trance, but God decided to speak to Peter after he came out from the trance. So we don't get to decide where and how or what method God uses to communicate to us. That is up to God. However, we can desire to have encounters in the spirit and God would grant those encounters according to his sovereignty. Praise God. So yeah, I just want to start with those questions and I want us to, to really, I want us to really discuss today. So if you have any questions, maybe you've had an experience before, um, uh, maybe you had a dream or you had a vision or something, an experience that, you know, you want you want to share, uh, either share with us for clarification or share with us to encourage us. Um, today we're going to have time for all of that. If I'm talking about experiences, I think I want to start with one experience. And this, I'll share this experience just to show you that when, like I said last week, when it comes to dreams and visions and anything spectacular, it must be subject, number one, to the word of God. And then number two, it must be subject, subject that experience to prayer. So take the experience to, the, to God in the place of prayer. Let him reveal what that, what that experience is to you and what it means to you. All right. So some years ago, when I was, sorry, I'm laughing because I'm laughing because I'm about sharing another dating experience. Um, so when I was dating someone um, some years ago, so we she had this dream that was so spectacular. If I so spectacular up to the point, up to the date of our wedding, that's how spectacular it was. And I mean, I, it, it was almost confirmed saying that this is the person you are going to marry. If I the dream, see the dream was so detailed right? It was so detailed. And um, when she shared it with me, I felt, I felt like, oh, wow, this is the person I'm going to marry. And this is, the, that, that was the confirmation to me, um, which was, which was my number one mistake, right? But the dream was so detailed and I felt there was nothing else. I didn't need to pray about this further. I didn't need to, you know, seek the face of God further. I didn't need to check my heart again. I didn't need to look at signs and symptoms of all the red flags and green flags. I just felt that dream sealed it for me. So that dream made me drop my defenses and just accept everything um, all in, all right? And um, I mean, obviously, I'm not my in person now. So cl clearly the dream didn't come to pass. And I'm sharing this to say that there are many times when we have dreams that seem very vivid. We need to take those things back to God in prayer. Let God be the one to interpret those dreams to us. And um, this brings me to interpretation, interpretation of dreams and visions and spiritual e encounters. I think I'm actually going, let me just look at my notes because I'm, I'm not going exactly the way I planned, but I just want to talk about these um, ex experiences, sorry, explaining 
dreams and visions and all those supernatural <clears throat> experiences. Now, in the New Testament, okay, in the New Testament, there is no precedence for, for Christians going around asking people for interpretation of their dreams. Let me say it again. In the New Testament, there is no record of Christians going around um, asking people for the interpretation of their dreams. And I believe this is so because God has given us the Holy Spirit. All right? So we there's no encouragement for us to go about. So say, for instance, I have a dream, and let's say I don't understand the dream. Then I begin to go around asking everyone, uh, oh, I have a dream. Well, can you interpret it for me? Who has the interpretation of my dream? You know, there is no experience. There's no encounter in the New Testament that shows this kind of experience. However, however, it is possible for God to give the interpretation of your dream to someone. Okay, let me take that again. It is possible for God to give the interpretation of your dream to someone. But we don't see a pattern in the New Testament where Christians go around looking for, um, for dream interpreters. And the reason is because it is very easy to, to be deceived and you can easily open up your life to um, the spirit of divination through that act. So it is what happens most times is if you have a dream and you don't understand, the first thing to do is to go to God and ask God for the interpretation. Now, God can give you interpretation in two ways. Either he explains it to you, um, maybe through prayers or through the word of God or through in any way, he explains it to you. Secondly, he can send someone to explain it to you. So note the difference now. It's a different thing if God sends someone to explain a dream to you than when you go out looking for someone to explain the dream. I hope that's clear enough. So the ideal thing to do is when you have it, and this is not just, this isn't for dreams alone, for visions as well. If you have a vision, if you have a dream or a supernatural ex ex encounter, now the first thing to do if you don't understand it is, the first thing to do is to go to God and ask God for understanding. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, he says, ask of me and I will show you great and mighty things. So he has a promise that whenever we ask, he's obligated to show unto us, all right? So the method of showing is, not, is where he now decides that he can explain to you personally or he can decide to send someone to explain the dream to you. So for instance, um, let me share an encounter I had. This was 2017. So 2017, one particular period, I just felt the need to fast. So I began fasting and, you know, I began fasting and fasting. And I, I told my mentor, my spiritual mentor, that, oh, this is the impression I had uh, I had in my heart. So he, in, fact, in fact, he was one that said, okay, let's go on a fast together. And then whatever God shows you in the fast, you know, we'll share, we'll talk about it and share it together. So the first day of the fast went fine. The second day at work, I, I, I dozed off at work. And then in my sleep, I had a dream. And the dream felt, it felt significant to me, but I didn't quite understand it. So because I was in the fast with my mentor, I shared with him and said, oh, during the fast, during, during my, my time at work, this was the dream I had. And um, um, I just shared it with him. And so later on, he now, he now, later on, he now told me that, oh, this was the interpretation of the dream that God had given to him. And it was, it was so accurate because it, it confirmed the season of my life that I was going into. So when God gives you a dream, seek for the interpretation from him. He can either give you, give you the interpretation directly 
or he can send someone to interpret it to you. But don't go around asking people for interpretation of your dreams. You you are you are most most likely going to end up in an in error if you do that. All right, I hope that's clear enough. Um, and the third thing I want to say is this: whenever God gives you an interpretation, always check it in your spirit, or whenever you receive what seems to be an interpretation, always check it in your spirit. The Bible says that um, the spirit of God bears witness witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Okay, that means the way we know we are born again is, is a witness in our spirits. So if something as important as your salvation is confirmed by this nudging of the spirit in your heart, then I believe that so many other things in your life would also be confirmed by the Holy Spirit in your heart. So whenever any interpretation of dreams or visions or, or anything like that come to you, check it in your heart. Check the way the Holy Spirit in your heart responds to it. If you feel uneasy about the interpretation, then still go back to God and ask God for that. But um, if the interpretation sits well with your spirit, I'm not saying I'm not saying that the interpretation you get is a is a positive or a negative one. No, or, or something you like or you don't like. I'm saying in your spirit, you are comfortable. Your spirit agrees with it. So you pass that through the test as well. So it passes through the test of God's word. Um, you take it up in prayer and whatever interpretation you get, let your spirit confirm it as well. All right? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I want to go back to some, some of the things we noted concerning dreams and interpretations, um, dreams and visions from last week. We said... Um, okay, we've already, already gone over this. So you don't uh, you don't request for dreams or visions because that's up to God. He determines whether to give it give it to you or not, and what kind of uh, manifestation you have or not. Um, second thing I said was um, you, we need a level of discernment to inter to accept dreams and visions or any spectacular experience. The reason is because even the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So we need discernment to know that. I'm, I'm not dwelling on these because we talked about them last week. And then I said, which is where I want to, okay, no, before I even go to where I want to start, let me just go over this one more time. Every encounter must be subject to the word of God. When you read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us that the word is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrows, and it judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. So we said that every experience we have must go, must pass through the test of, of the word of God, must pass through the test of the doctrine of God. So for instance, I mean, if I have a dream that in the dream, I see myself going into my neighbor's parlor and taking, taking my neighbor's key, my neighbor's car keys, then taking my neighbor's car and then driving away. Obviously that cannot be from God because um, that is theft, that is stealing. It's a different thing if my neighbor gives me his car for instance or her car. But if I go, if in the dream I see myself going to take my neighbor's car key, taking his car and then running away with it, that is clearly not from God because it is against the doctrine of the word of God. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. All right, so we, we pass everything, every experience through the through the filter of the, of the doctrine of God's word. All right, and um, the Bible says it divides to, to the, it divides, um, um, the word of God divides souls and spirits, joints and marrows, it judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. If you read Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says, lets us know that dreams could come through 
through multitude of, of activities. Have you ever had, you know, such a busy day that you are so tired and you went to sleep? And when you went to sleep, you ended up dreaming about the activities of that day. So that clearly is a dream that is not necessarily from God, nor from the devil, but from a lot of the activities that has happened um, in your day. So your, your soul is relieving those experiences in your dreams. Now, the way we know which dream is from God and which is from the devil and which is from the soul is the word of God. That's why the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, okay? Joints and marrows. It now says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God helps us know what dreams are from God and which is not from God, which is from the devil, which is from our soul, and so forth. All right. So into where, where I want us to start from today. I'm still talking about our disposition towards dreams and towards dreams and um, visions and revelations and spectacular experiences. So the next point I want to make is, is what I started last week, and I want us to drill deep into it today. Guard your heart, okay? And we're going to read Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Anyone there can read for us Proverbs chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 23. Anyone please read for us Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Anyone there? Anyone? Oh, okay. Let me read. All right. All right. Go ahead. Um, I didn't hear anybody. Proverbs 4, right? Yes. Proverbs 4, 23. Okay. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Okay, thank you. A very, this is a very popular verse. Thank you, Lily. This is a very popular verse and, um, and yet so powerful. The Bible says, keep your heart. The word keep there is um, it's the same word guard, protect, basically. So it says, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. Um, this, the first thing this verse tells us is the responsibility lies on us. This is not something God will come to do for you. There are several things God will do for you. God will give you grace. God will give you peace. God will give you wisdom. But this responsibility is ours. It says, guard your heart with all diligence. And um, the reason is because out of it proceeds the issues of life. So what I want to encourage us in, on, in this point is, guard your heart diligently because your spiritual encounters can be greatly influenced by the things you entertain in your heart. And when we talk about guarding your heart, three things I want to note. I want us to note, number one, is guard, so generally guard the gates of your heart. When we say the gates of your heart, what we mean is the channels in which things enter into your heart, so you protect them. So the one major channel is your eyes, right? What, guard what you see. Protect what you watch. Um, protect the things you expose your eyes to. And this is where I'll just give an advice here yeah, to every one of us, especially to those who dream a lot. And fortunately, my, my wife dreams every single night she dreams. And what I noticed was that with every, because of how, how easy it, it is for her to have dreams, if she watches, let's say, a movie that is about, um, let's say, car racing, 
it is very likely that in her dreams, somehow, somehow, car racing will be mingled into whatever she sees in her dreams. Okay? And, and this is very true for, for everyone as well, but especially for those who are prone to having dreams. There are people who dream a lot, and then there are people that don't dream a lot, like me. I, I don't dream a lot. Okay? But there are people who dream a lot. I have, I have a friend, my, my former... I have a, a friend that we stayed together in the... We were housemates for a while. Um, he was so... He, he was this kind of people that dream a lot. So he sees visions and he dreams a lot. And um, consequent, and I mean, um, coincidentally, he loved watching movies a lot. And he loved watching all these Roman Roman Empire kind of movies where, you know, all them kind of Spartacus, uh, Spartacus, sorry, um, um, 300, um, Zeus, all those kind of ancient movies. He loved watching it. So when he comes in the morning for morning devotion and he has a dream, most times, the dream represents, the dream comes in the scenes of those kind of movies. So even though the message is valid, but the kind of things he sees in his dreams will be likened to, let's assume God was giving, a dream, giving him a dream about, about victory. What happens is that he'll see a scene about people fighting warriors, and then eventually someone won, and then, you know, somehow somebody to end up translating to mean God has given us victory. So my point is this, guard your eyes. They are very important. What you watch, what you see, um, what you entertain into your eye gates. So if, uh, this is why I generally encourage people not to watch a lot of horror movies, not to really watch horror movies. I mean, even though personally I don't get affected, I don't, nothing, I hardly ever get scared. Personally, I don't get what, I don't get influenced by what I see in, in my dreams now, right? However, I don't even allow myself to watch certain kind of movies, horror movies, movies about witchcraft, and then obviously pornography is a no-no. Absolutely no, no. Okay, so just guard your guard your eyes. That's my first point on this. Secondly, guard your ears. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is the same way. Also, fear comes by hearing. You know, when you listen to a lot of negative news, it entertains fear. And if you notice that during the whole um, pandemic, the beginning part of the pandemic, we there was a lot of fear in the atmosphere. And I generally encourage people during those moments to stop watching the news. We already know that there's a there's a virus in the in the in the world. Don't watch the news. Don't be checking the daily counts. Don't be looking at the number of deaths. Don't look at the number of cases. Just shut yourself from those news because it will it will kindle fear in your heart. So watch um watch what you hear because fear can come in through that channel. Unbelief, doubt can come in through that channel. And then lastly, guard your emotions. The emotions you, you entertain in your heart can influence the, the kind of visions and dreams and stuff that you see. Um, um, let, let me share. I mean, this might be an advanced experience, but even at the beginning phase of it, it's valid. You know, I had an encounter with, this was in 2000 and, 2013, I believe. Yes, so 2013, yeah. Um, there was a girl I, I had an experience with, and she... We're going to cast out a demon from her. But the demon was acting stubborn. It was not coming out. You know when you say in the name of Jesus and the demon not come out, the demon is still, is still doing paparazzi. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just inspired my heart to, you know, to ask the girl to shut the demon up and ask the girl how the demon came in. So even before the demon, before I even asked the girl, the demon began to say that, you know, that uh, she needed company. She was lonely. She was, you know, emotional. She was lonely. She was alone. And she needed company. And then I started speaking to her. So this was the demon speaking now. 
I started speaking to her and she started entertaining my, my, my words and all of that. And that's how she opened the door for the demon to come in. Now, this is an advanced situation, of course, but it always starts from somewhere. So I, I can imagine that the girl was emotionally lonely and she needed company. She needed to, you know, just have someone keep her company in that emotional state. Um, and because she was emotionally vulnerable, the devil began to whisper to her. And because she, ad she admitted and entertained the whisperings, then she opened the door for the devil to come into her life. Now, guard your emotions. That's what I'm going to. Whatever, whatever nature of emotions, whether loneliness, whether anger, whether whatever form of emotions, guard it. Guard your heart and guard those emotions. Guard the emo your heart from emotions that don't correspond to the word of God. The Bible says in, in Colossians chapter 3, um, this should be verse, uh, what's the verse again? Colossians chapter 3, this should be verse 2, I believe. It says, set your affection on the things of Christ. So set your affections on things that are above. So let your disposition, let your emotions be set on things that are of God, all right? Let it be, be nurtured to entertain the, the, the um, emotions of Christ. Praise God. Okay, so that's under guarding your heart. So guard your eyes, guard your ears, guard your emotions so that they don't, they don't interfere with the visions and dreams that God will be giving you or any spectacular experience that God will give you. Praise God. All right, so the next thing I want to say is this. And please, by the way, if you have questions, please write them down or you can send, drop them in the chat. We would answer it along, we'll answer it um, soon enough, all right? So um, the next thing I want to point out is this. Nowhere in scripture did anybody establish doctrine through a supernatural experience, okay? That means doctrine is never established through any spectacular encounter. Whether an angel appeared or a, a, a dream was given or a vision, no. That is not the way we establish doctrine. The only approved way we establish doctrine is via the written word of God. Okay? And um, let me let us read First Peter. I have to look for this. Um, First Peter. Sorry, give me a minute. Um, if I can help you, the part that says, um, no prophecy came of man's own will, but holy men of God spoke as they're carried along by the spirits. If you can help me find that, please. Um, can someone help me? Um, prophecy came by the second Peter. Okay. One, I think it's 121. Ah, thank you. Yes. Second Peter 121. That's it. Second Peter <clears throat> 1 20. Let, let's start from verse 20 actually. Lola, you can read for us. Second Peter 1 20 and 21. Okay, one second. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, first you must understand this that no prophecy of scripture is of any personal or private or special interpretation. For no prophecy ever originated because some man willed it. But men spoke from God who were born along, moved and impelled by the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So, so first version. Sorry? No, I'll say that was the amplified version. I forgot to mention. Okay, okay, yeah. Thanks, thanks. So the first thing that this scripture reveals to us is that um, prophecy, first of all, is not of, <clears throat> is not of anyone's private interpretation. 
okay? And that means the scripture God has given to us, the Bible says, holy men spoke as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. So the, the scripture was not subject to anyone's private interpretation. So no one had a private dream and then began to interpret um, the scriptures privately, okay? Um, I want to read Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to explain, to, to support what we just read in, in Second Peter. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, um, yeah, verse 16, yeah. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All right. So first of all, it tells us that the whole scripture was given by inspiration of God, which is exactly what um, Peter said, that holy men spoke as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Then next he says, and, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So um, um, Paul was writing here and he said that all scriptures, first of all, is given by the inspiration of the Almighty. And he now begins to tell us what scripture is used for. And the first thing he mentions is that scripture is used for doctrine, meaning aside the scriptures, no other experience is able to, uh, is, is sufficient enough to be used to establish doctrine. All right. So nobody should come to you with a dream and says, oh, I had a, I have a dream that says X, Y, Z. And then whatever he says does not align with scripture. Yet he's trying to inter yet he's trying to establish a doctrine from those spiritual experiences. No. Okay, just, just like for instance, um, if let's say a, I have a vision, and in the vision, an angel appears to me and tells me, Oh, Victor, from now henceforth, begin to pray by 10 p.m. every day. Because it's an angelic experience, I know definitely it's from God, and it doesn't contradict the word of God, right? However, I cannot come and impose it on everyone and say, from now henceforth, everybody must pray by 10 p.m. That is the time God has approved for prayer. If you don't pray by 10 p.m., God is not going to hear you. I can't do that. I can't establish a doctrine based on a spectacular experience that I have from God. No, that is my personal encounter, all right? So if anyone tries to come to impose a doctrine on you based on his, based on his spiritual encounter that is not in line with the word of God, you definitely know it's a it's a no-no. All right. So I just want to point that out. Two more things I want to say before we take questions and we share our ex experiences. Just two more things. I, I started, I shared this earlier, <clears throat> but uh, that's at the beginning. Um, but I want to I want to shed more light on it, you know. And in answer to the question that was asked last week about um spiritual ex um, experiences and encounters being a proof. For maturity and clearly i answered that and we said no that spiritual encounters do not do not prove the maturity of someone um if someone is called into a prophetic office for instance whether the person is mature spiritually mature or not the the gift of god in his life will give him exposure to a lot of spiritual encounters simply because that's the gift of god it's not a proof of his maturity if someone is um called to be a seer for instance the person would be would see a lot of visions, a lot of dreams, you know, a lot of things. Spectacular doesn't necessarily mean the person is matured. Okay, so we already answered that. But I want to say this, and I think it's important to mention, so we don't downplay the importance of spiritual fervency. All right, and like I said at the beginning, that when we when we exercise ourselves in Christ, we exercise ourselves in the things of the spirit. Our spirits are, are sensitive, and then we are more receptive to the things of God. 
Now, what happens is this. Let, let, let me explain it using the um, using the example of water. Okay. So from elementary science, we know that water can exist in three states, solid state, liquid state, and the gaseous state. Okay. So the solid state is ice. So imagine I take a block of ice from the fridge and I put it in a pot and heat and begin and begin heating it up. So first of all, the water is in a solid state, <clears throat> a solid state of ice, right? When it begins to, when it's exposed to higher temperature, it begins to melt into the liquid state. Now the liquid state is more fluid. The solid state doesn't flow, but the liquid state flows, meaning it's easy to to it's easy to transfer a liquid state because it flows. It's more, more uh, for lack of a better word, it's more malleable. It's, um, it's easy to flow. I can, I can only put it that way. All right? But then as I increase the temperature, what happens is that that, solid, that liquid state begins to boil and begins to convert into another state, into a gaseous state. Now, in that gaseous state, the molecules are... are, are more loose than the liquid state. And because they are more loose, they begin to evaporate. Now, in the gaseous state, the, the um, water molecules experience higher mobility. That means the water molecules can easily flow from one place to another because they are in a gaseous state. Now, a gaseous state is more, uh, more mobile than a... A gaseous state is more mobile than a, a liquid state. A liquid state is more mobile than a solid state. So I want to use this experience to explain our spirit, spiritual encounters when we exercise ourselves. When we start exercising ourselves in the things of the spirit, especially through prayer, fasting, worship, and um, any spiritual en en experience and encounter, when we begin to exercise ourselves in such spiritual, spiritual things, we move from a solid state to a liquid state where we are more mobile meaning we are more receptive to the things of the spirit we our spirits can receive the things of god more and more and when we apply fervency fervency means temperature we apply more heat we apply more fervency to our spiritual work what happens is that we now change states to following my illustration now to a gaseous state where we have where we achieve a higher mobility at the gaseous state it is easier for us to really encounter, encounter God and experience God. Now, I'm explaining this to say that when we exercise ourselves in prayer, for instance, let me use prayer as an example. If I begin to pray, begin to pray, hmm, initially, I may feel a bit rigid in my spirit. So I'm praying and the prayer feels a bit mechanical. But as I continue to pray and I press in the place of prayer, maybe after an hour or so, I begin to feel lighter in my spirit and I begin to, you know, enjoy the prayer. Before, the prayer was a struggle, but after one hour, one hour, 30 minutes, the prayer becomes a delight. I begin to enjoy it. And as I press on in that state, what happens is that it becomes easier. Let's say I go on for an, an extra hour. So maybe I've been praying for two hours. This is just my illustration. Oh, please, don't take it that I mean you cannot hear God until you pray for two hours. This is just my illustration, all right? So as I begin to pray for, you know, an extra hour, so making two hours go plus, right? What I experience is that it becomes easier for me to hear the voice of God, whether God is speaking audibly or God is speaking through scriptures or God is impressing things in my heart. It just becomes easier to have those encounters, all right? It is in the same way that when we exercise ourselves in the spirit, it is easier for us to have certain spectacular spiritual encounters. 
Now, like I said before, we don't determine the encounters. We don't even tell God whether to give us encounters or not. And we're not, we are not praying. Let me emphasize this. We are not praying to have a spiritual encounter. We are basically just praying to fellowship with God to exercise ourselves in the realm of, in the realm of the spirit. But what happens is that when we exercise ourselves long enough, our spirits become, you know, volatile. Our spirits become very mobile. And if God decides to give us a vision, it is easy for us to see that vision. If God decides to give us a, 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 a dream or God decides to give us um, a spectacular encounter, it is easy for us to receive it because our spirit has achieved a level of volatility. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so let's read the passage of scripture to, to help me explain this point. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1, verse, um, we're going to read verse 10. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Let me read, let me do the reading this time around. So this was um, John the Beloved having his, his experience and his encounter on the Isle of Patmos. So the verse 10 says, this was John speaking now, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So John said, I was in the spirit. So I don't know what he was doing, whether he was praying or he was not praying. I, the Bible doesn't give us that, um, that much detail, but it tells us that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Um, and then he began to see. So John was basically caught up in the spirit, right? And he began to have visions and encounters and revelation. Great. So this is like encounters and visions and revelations continues from that chapter one um, all through chapter three. Okay, he, where God, where Jesus begins to speak to him about the various churches. And then you go, the vision continues up to the end of chapter three. Let's now go to chapter four and see what happens. So chapter four, verse one, Revelation chapter four and verse one. This is still John, after he has had this, after he was caught up in the spirit, right, and he got all the message in, um, just was sending, sending to the churches. There's one now says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. So this was still a spiritual encounter he was having. He was still having that, he was still caught up in the spirit when he saw this door opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a voice, was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be which must be hereafter. Praise God. So what, what was going on was this, that um, John was already having a spiritual encounter, and in that spiritual encounter, he saw a door that was opened up in heaven. And when the door was opened up, he now heard a voice that said, come up hither. Now my question was, wasn't John already in the realm of the Spirit when the voice told him in the realm of the Spirit to still come up hither? And the reason was because God wanted to show John some things, but God could not show John those things on that level of spiritual encounter he was having. God had to bring John higher for him to show him the things he wanted to see. And now this is what I'm explaining, that there are certain things that God wants to show us that we cannot receive on a certain energy level. And if we are like that ice, like that ice block of water, um, we cannot receive certain things. We need we need a bit of fervency. We need to come higher in the realm of the spirit. And I can tell you that God really wants to show you so many things, 
But on the level you are spiritually, he can't show you. It's just like what Jesus told you, told his disciples that there are so many things I want to tell you now, but you cannot bear them because um, you need the spirit of truth to first energize you. And that's what God was saying to John, that I want to show you some things, some other things in heaven, but on the energy level you are currently, you cannot see those things. So you need to come up higher. And I believe that God is saying to us all today, you know, come up higher in your, in your experience with God, in your prayer and your study, your fellowship with him, come up higher. He's going to show you so many things. They might not necessarily be spectacular like an angel appearing or like you seeing visions of heaven, but I'm saying that God will still show you deeper things, even in the word of God as you read, even in your, in your um, personal time as you pray, whatever it is, God will show you deeper things as you press on to him. So it's important that we, and we, we maintain spiritual fervency because there are things that God wants to show us that on, on a certain energy level, we cannot receive them. Then we need to come up higher. All right. Um, I was going to read another passage of scripture, but time won't allow me to do, to do that. So I'm going to move to the second thing I wanted to say before we begin to you know, ask questions and share encounters. So the second thing I want to say is um, Colossians chapter 2. Let us read that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. And if you can read from the Amplified Version, I'll be, I'll be grateful. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Amplified Bible, preferably. Anyone can read for us? Anyone that is there? Amplified Bible, Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Let no one defraud you of your pride, your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting on mock humility and the worship of angels. Going into detail about visions, he claims he has seen to justify his authority, fucked up by his own spiritual mind and not holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ from whom the entire body, supplied and knit together by his joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that can only come from God. Wow, praise God. Thank you so much, Faith. Um, this verse is very instructive. And let me, let me try and break it down so that we can understand where I'm heading to. Or even before that, let me just, you know, I don't know if any of us have come across someone or a group of people who, who define their spirituality by the extent of dreams and visions they have. So, um, I mean, let me not mention any sect of Christianity, but there are a couple of people who just, speaking with them, next thing you, they'll tell you is, oh, I see a vision, I see, I see. And they shake their head, and I say, I see, I see two things working. And, you know, they just want to blow spirituality to a mystical realm that is un, unapproachable and unaccessible. You know, those kind of people that, that want to prove their spirituality by dreams and visions and all of that. The Bible wants us against such people. And I want us to, I want us to really take note of that. So Paul said here in verse 18, that don't let anybody de deprive you of your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting on, you know, false humility. And he now goes on to say the worship of angels. I want to say this, that all through the scriptures, right, there is no encounter where an angel accepted worship because, and because angels were not designed to be worshipped. And check, your, check all through scriptures, both 
um, Old Testament and New Testament. And um, I know somebody will now say, ah, but Victor, think about it now. When, when um, Joshua had the encounter with the man and, um, and, he, and he bowed down to him, and the man, you know, he accepted worship. Wasn't that an angel? And the answer is no, that was not an angel. They are, and I mean, this is a different, different, entire different conversation um, altogether. But let me just state here that before Jesus Christ came in the New Testament, there are several encounters that, that of, there are several experiences that revealed his, um, his person in the Old Testament. There are several times when he appeared in the Old Testament even before he came as Jesus Christ, we know in the New Testament. Oh, and I feel like someone is asking a lot of questions. Okay, we won't go into that right now, but I just want to say that angels don't accept worship because angels were not designed to be worshipped. So if you see anyone entertaining, anyone en um, encouraging the worship of angels, so they say, oh, let's praise angel Michael, or let's praise angel Gabriel, or let's praise angel something, something. That is false, and um, there is no Christian practice, there is no Christian doctrine like that. Instead, when you read Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says angels are ministers sent to minister for the heads of salvation. So angels have been sent uh, to assist us in the ministry we have on earth. They've been sent to minister for us, not for us to worship them, all right? And the Bible gives a clear distinction between the Son of God and angels in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. So the first and one point from this scripture is, Never entertain the worship of angels and don't entertain anyone that encourages the worship of angels. It is completely unbiblical. No matter how profound the angelic manifestation is, angels do not entertain worship and angels are not supposed to be worshipped. All right. Um, the next thing I want to point out is this. It says, um, insist on more humility and the worship of angels. It says, going into details about visions he claims he has seen, to justify his authority. This is very, very important. And like I said, there are people who, who in an attempt to prove that what they are saying is true, they now tell you that, um, oh, I had a dream now, I had a dream about this. Now, like I said earlier, let me, let me insist again, that the only way we establish doctrine is from the word of God. We don't establish doctrines from dreams or visions or spectacular experiences. You know, at several times, I don't know if any of you have come across such stories, but several years ago, um, it was very common for people to tell you, oh, I had a vision about hell. And then they now describe hell. I saw so, so, and so. I saw one popular musician. I saw one popular artist. He was in hell. And then, oh, I also went to heaven. And I saw, you know, I saw, I saw this person in heaven. I saw, you know, that your father that, or your uncle that died. Oh, I saw him in heaven. And then based on that encounter, they begin to say, in fact, they probably, they maybe even release a book and say, this is what, how God wants us to behave based on the experience I had or the vision I had in heaven or in hell. Now, it is, we need to be really careful along these lines. First of all, it is very possible for God to give someone an experience about heaven or hell. That is absolutely possible, okay? However, God never establishes a doctrine based on the experience he gives us about heaven or hell. At the end of the day, we are always referred back to the word of God. And the word of God remains, remains our authority. So if someone comes and comes to, to exercise authority because he has had an angelic encounter, we should be careful about that, all right? The, the most powerful authority we have is, 
is authority that comes from the word of God. The word of God remains and will always be the authority that we, we have um, concerning doctrine or concerning anything, all right? And so we should be careful ab with, about people who come to establish authority, you know, their own spiritual authority based on the number of dreams or visions they've had. We need to be careful about that. And that's what um, Paul was saying here, that we should be careful about that. No one should rob us off of our freedom, right? People who come to and talk about visions and dreams in an attempt to justify their spiritual and, and their spiritual authority, in an attempt to justify their authority. We should be careful about such people. The, the fundamental authority we have and the, the first authority we have is the word of God. Every other thing must be built on the word of God and not aside the word of God. Okay? So I said here that um, beware of people who exact, exact, exalt spiritual experiences above the lordship of Jesus Christ. And let me read further. In verse 19, it says that these people do not hold fast to the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body is, you know, is sponsored, is supplied, and is strengthened. What Paul was saying is that such people who try to project their spiritual authority based on dreams and visions they have, those people are not working in connection with the head of, of the church, which is Christ Jesus. That means these people are trying to establish another kind of authority outside the authority of Christ Jesus, all right? And they are trying to exalt their spiritual experiences above the authority of Christ. So we need to be weary, uh, we need to be careful about such people. Again, the first and the most important authority we have is the authority that comes from the word of God. Anything aside this does not hold. And, you know, the Bible says, test all spirits, okay? God is never angry if you have a dream and you are not sure that the dream is from, is from him and then you ask him about it. He's never angry. In fact, he will prove it to you from the word of God over and over again. And this reminds me of the experience that Kenny Hagin had um, several years ago. And Kenny Hagin shared it in his book, I Believe in Vision, where he had an experience and Jesus Christ said something. And Kenny Hagin said, this thing you said, I can't accept it until you prove it to me from scriptures. And in the vision he had, Jesus gave him three scriptures that proved what he, Jesus, was saying about it. And Jesus was not offended. And I believe that's 100% scriptural because the Bible says, test all spirits. Even if Jesus appears to you physically and he says something that maybe you are hearing for the first time, you can ask him to say, oh, okay, Jesus, show me this thing in the Bible. And Jesus is always patient to walk us through it. All right. The second thing I said here is that connection to Jesus is a vital thing to look out for. Now, when people come to you and they say, oh, I had a dream, I had a dream, I had a vision, I had a revelation, you know, something spectacular. One of the first things personally I do, and I encourage people to do that, is I look at the person's life and, and ask myself, does this person, has this person shown connection to Jesus? Is this person in, in consonance with Jesus Christ? Not somebody that is coming from the beer parlor and then he's, the next day he's telling me he had a dream and he saw a vision. I, I, I wouldn't believe you. If not someone that is that is um, maybe stealing money or siphoning in his office and then next day he comes to tell me, oh, I had a vision and a dream, I would be very hesitant to receive. So it's important when we are receiving dreams and visions to look at the person. Is the person in constant fellowship with Jesus, right? It will help us determine if we can receive such, um, you know, message from the person or not. And Paul, to prove this, the Bible says, and this was Paul speaking, Paul said, be ye followers of me as I am follow as I am a follower of Christ. Meaning, as long as I'm following Christ, then you can follow me. 
But the moment I disconnect from following Christ, you have every right to stop following me. It is the same thing too. If someone comes to give you a dream or a vision or a revelation or something spectacular and says, oh, God spoke to me and an angel came, check the person's life. Is this person a follower of Christ? That's actively, not, not just a title. Is this person actively following Christ? If yes, then you can be comfortable to begin to receive um, from him. But if not, of course, you'll be hesitant. All right. I hope that was clear enough. Um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to end here. And I want us to really ask questions, like really share our experiences. And let me even, you know, I posted something in our WhatsApp group. I posted something in the WhatsApp group, some questions. Some, this was last week I posted it. So I'm going to ask us to, the floor is open. You can ask your question um, and or prefer solutions or rather answers to questions. But while you're thinking of your question, let me ask, let me start by asking the questions I put in the group. So the first question I want to ask us, and, and genuinely I want us to answer this together. Um, is there a particular method of interpreting dreams? Um, if I see a chicken in my dream, what does it mean? What if I see a cockroach? What if I see a lion? Or what if I see a 10-story building? How do I interpret my dreams? Or how do we interpret dreams? All right, anyone that wants to share his thoughts on that, his or her thoughts on this, please, the floor is open. How do you how do you interpret dreams? Yeah. Anyone wants to share? Yeah, I think I have something to say. All right. Um, I, I don't think there is a one way or the way. Some can be literal, some can be symbolic. I can see a tree in my dream and it might mean something to me. And you might see a tree and it might mean something different. But there might be, there might be, what's the word? There might be something that may be similar, but I don't think one thing has a specific meaning for everybody. It might have different meanings for different people, symbolic or literal meanings. But yeah, that's what I think. Okay, okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ope. Um, anyone else want to share something on, on still on this same question? How do we interpret dreams? Um, you know, what, what tips do I have for interpreting dreams? If I see black in my dream, what does black color mean? You know, or are there are there are there tips? Are there things to watch out for? Yep, the floor is open. Anyone else? Um, praise God. Hallelujah, Faith. <laughs> well, I think that, like Opey rightly said, there is no one way. There is no manual, and and there are a lot of books out there now saying one way to interpret your dreams and all of that, and. You or you actually all these married dreams that you see, I saw him giving me water to drink beside the well. <laughs> and over, <laughs> over the years, he has, he has proven that um, it's not just one way. So, and then scripture that comes to mind is um, this king was his name, Nebuchadnezzar. So, he had yeah. this dream about um, an image mm -hmm. and all of that. If a Christian should have that kind of dream right now. We'll probably interpret the dream as oh idol worshiping or yeah, yeah, yeah. people from age they've come to attack me, something, something, something. But from what I understand about Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it was something he was used to. He was a pagan. So that was one way that God could have spoken to him. So there are some things that might be um what's the word? 
make more wow. sense to you than mm-hmm. on a general note. So you can't just say, oh, one way direction. That's what I have to say. Okay, okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, let me see, give the room for one more person to share. Any person, any other person wants to share today? I'm, I'm yes. This. Okay. Okay. I think from the two speakers, um, we can generally agree that there is no specific way of interpreting a dream. It depends on what God is saying to an individual part time. It depends on the experience an individual has. So we cannot say there is a particular way, a rigid way of interpreting uh, dreams. So I believe that if God wants to speak to anybody, he will speak to the person in the way the person will understand. That doesn't mean that that is a general way to everybody. The general way God speaks to the whole world and to everybody is through the world, is mm. through the Oh, there is no particular way of interpreting a dream. Like our daddy, blessed memory, told us time, some time ago that when you dream a dream, look at the content of the dream, something you like. If it's something you like, you agree with it. If it's something you don't like, you disagree, you cancel and nullify. For me, that is the best way to interpreted dream. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. By the way, that's my mom, guys. Thank you so much, mom. All right. Um, so all your, all the all the contributions, I've, I mean, I've been, I've been saying the same thing. Just let me just share a scripture that, um, you know, that supports everything we've been seeing. So when you read the story of Joshua, sorry, Joseph in the book of Genesis, when Joseph was in the prison and those two, two men had a dream, the butler and the and the baker they had a dream. So let me just quickly read it and and, and, and share some things with you. Joseph, uh, I see Joseph. Genesis chapter forty. Genesis chapter forty, verse um, verse eight says, and they said unto him, We have a dream. We have dreamed a dream, and there is no inter- interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not do not interpretations belong to God? That's the first thing. Interpretations belong to God. Okay, so I can't tell you that if you see yellow in your dream, it means X, Y, Z. No, interpretations belong to God. And now says, um, tell me, tell me them, I pray. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me and in the vine were three branches and it was as though it budded and her blossoms shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed the them to Pharaoh's cup and need to give them to Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's hand. And so Joseph went on to interpret the dream and said um, that in three days Pharaoh will lift you up. Okay. Then we skip down to verse. We skip down to verse 16. He says, When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the upper, uppermost basket, there was all manner of Big big meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And then Joseph gave his interpretation and said, You're going to die. So, my question is if I mean, just like um, Faith shared, if you look at this, if you look at the baker's dream, right? He had three baskets, and the birds were eating from the basket. There doesn't it doesn't look like anything that signifies death in that in that dream. 
However, when God gave Joseph the interpretation, it meant, you know, death. And now it doesn't mean every, if anybody drinks of basket of, of bread, it automatically means um, death, okay? So definitely dreams are interpreted by God. You know, God gives us the interpretations to those, to those dreams. All right, so any question here from anyone? Um, before, I, I still have two more questions to ask us, but let me give the room first, open the floor to anyone that wants to ask a question. Any question from us? Anyone there? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, I want to ask if you have consistent dreams, one pattern of dream that you don't like. Mm -hmm. I have a guy who told me one time, he said that I don't like, because he stayed in a state in Nigeria and he did not like seeing himself in that particular state because they suffered a lot. So mm. he kept on, and he had prayed against it because the thought, our memory of that state, he doesn't even like it. My question is, what amount of prayer will you pray or what prophetic move will you do to stop such reoccurrence of prayer? It could be, it could be that God is saying something, but there are some recurrent dreams that, that you don't just like, like if I, if I dream that they are always tying my tongue when mm -hmm. I want to mention Jesus and all of that, um, what's, what permit me to put this, my question this way, what amount of prayer will you pray? What amount of fasting or what prophetic move will you take to see that such disturbing occurrence ceases? Thank you. Okay, okay, thank you. Thanks, Esther. So to answer the question, first is this, um, if you've already established, for it to be recurring, right, it shows that there must be a spiritual, there's most likely a spiritual meaning um, to that dream. All right, especially because it is recurring. Now, as to the amount of prayer or what spiritual activity to do, honestly, um, I cannot tell you unless God reveals it to me, and um, particularly, okay, meaning that there's no, there's no, I can't tell you a general action. I mean, of course, aside prayer, prayer is the is the is the foundation of of the actions we should take. But aside that, I can't tell you any specific other prophetic instructions to take unless God reveals to me. However, this is what I can advise. Be persistent in prayer because um, sometimes deliverance doesn't come at once. Deliverance sometimes takes persistent efforts, especially if what, um, what you need to be delivered from has a history that predates you or, or something like that. All right, you need persistence in your prayer to achieve the victory over that thing. Um, I'm sharing, you know, as I'm sharing this, I'm I remember a, a, an experience that a man of God shared. <clears throat> the man of God shared that, I mean, he left his village several years ago, right? And he had moved to a different city, to a, a bigger city. He had been in that city for maybe over 10 years or thereabouts. But then one day, he now had a dream. And in that dream, he was, he, in that dream, right, he, he was like a small boy in back in his village. And it was in that dream as a small boy, he was now leaving. He packed his load, packed his um, all his luggage, and was taking a taking a car to now come to the city that he currently had been for the past 10 years. And when he woke up and prayed about it, God gave him the revelation that in the realm of the spirit, right, 
he was in the realm of spirit spiritually he was just leaving that city or that village that he had been in now that kind of revelation is up to god i don't know the amount of prayer and extent of prayer that must have gone on before he got this kind of victory however i will encourage that the person continues in the place of prayer and this is where you know that you will you pray until the assurance until the victory um is revealed to you pray until god shows you the victory and shows you the sign of that victory okay so yes yeah, still remain in the place of prayer and let me also say this in the place of prayer be sensitive to the actions that god may prompt you to to take so he may prompt you either to say go go on a fast or prompt you to give something or prompt you to attend a a, a meeting or prompt you to do whatever it may be so pay attention attention to those promptings but i can't tell you how the extent of prayer you should do and i also can't tell you what prophetic action to take on until god himself reveals it peculiar um, to the situation i hope that answers the question my experience in that line maybe it will help somebody okay i i i used to have this consistent dream that i i, I was always backing a child backing always a child sometimes kai I will even see that the child is my own. So I kept praying and until I started confessing, I, I started making some prophetic declaration, renouncing, separating, you know, just make confessions like that. And as I made those confessions over times, just like you say, I stopped having that dream. In fact, I met so many, I, I shared a dream with so many people to hear their view of me backing. Some people say it's a responsibility, it's something God has given you to do, but I didn't like it. It was something I didn't really like. So I made confessions over times and that dream just left like that. Maybe making personal confessions, uh, speaking what you want and rejecting what you don't want. I think it will get a long way to help. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, man. That's so powerful. So making prophetic declarations as well. Lily, you want to say something? You have a question? Uh, yeah, just in line with this. Um, so like, what if... Okay, so there's a dream that I, I've had for many, many years where it's just um, <laughs> something's choking me. I'm just choking, literally, mm. for many years. Um I can't remember unless I had it, but I definitely had it this year. And I mean, I have prayed about it. Maybe not as persistently as, well, I mean, because it, it, it doesn't happen like every day. So it's just like when it happens, I'm like, what is this? And I pray and I'm like, asking God for what would that mean to me? But I mean, like, there's, I haven't seen anything in, in terms of its significance in my life currently or over time. So I guess my question is like, that kind of dream that you had that like for uh, would that would that be something that you would disregard or you just still keep seeking God for an explanation or even if you don't see it, you know, even if you don't sense it being having had I guess manifesting in your life in any way or like you know, something like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Okay, thanks for the question. So first thing, let me say this that um some dreams are spiritual attacks. And, you know, I was I was hoping we wouldn't go, you know, deep into 
things like this yeah but i'm seeing the question is coming up it's perfectly answered now so some dreams are spiritual attacks and what you do with spiritual attacks is you resist them you rebuke them straight on they don't need to you don't even you might not even need to know the interpretation of the spiritual attack or the meaning of it but you just resist it immediately and there's something my dad always taught us i mean just like my mom mentioned um, which is very important and it's, it sounds basic, but it's it's powerful. If you have a dream and you you have an experience that you don't like, just rebuke the experience immediately. If it's something that you like, then you can pray and receive it and welcome it into your life. Okay, but for spiritual attacks, you make sure you resist the, the spiritual attacks um, and Im- Im- do that immediately. And clearly, it seems to me this experience you had is a spiritual attack. So you, what you do with spiritual attacks is that you exercise your authority over the um, over the, the devil and over the demon over whatever is attacking you. So you exercise the authority. And I've had a couple of those experiences like that before. Um, several times. I made sometimes it's, it's it's when I'm um either in a new in a new environment or probably I began I begin doing some kind of prayers, you know, or if at that moment my spiritual fervency you know is a bit low. So I'm 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 sort of susceptible to attacks. I notice that those kind of dreams occur, but the solution is usually the same. I stand on the word of God and the authority of Christ Jesus, and then I rebuke that demonic attack, and then it ceases. So again, what I encourage is you don't wait till you have an attack to exercise your authority. Always exercise your authority, the, the authority of Christ over your life, over your affairs, over your, your life generally. All right, so don't wait till you have an attack, a spiritual attack to do that. On a normal day, exercise the authority of God over your life and over everything you experience. I hope that helps. Totally. Thank you. Okay, so while we're going to need to round up now, I'll just take one more question from us tonight. Any question before we go? We need to close in um, less than five minutes. Anyone? Question? Okay, so let me ask us, so what if, let me ask us two things. What if I don't dream often? Or what if I dream and I forget my dreams? What should I do? Or, I mean, what is there a problem with me? What should I do? Uh, what if I don't, let me start first. What if I don't dream often? Is that a problem or what, and what can I do? Secondly, what if I forget my dreams? Let's say I have a dream and I wake up and I forget the dream. What should I do? I have an answer. Go ahead. Okay, so we'll just take Joy before. Okay. Um, answers. Give her. Give her answer. Okay. Okay. Um. So I don't. I'll just use myself as an example. I hardly ever dream. Hardly ever dream. And most times when I dream, there are dreams that I know that um, my mind made up because of what I was thinking about and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I personally have a I have other ways that I hear from God on a regular basis. So I don't think there's a problem with that. So long as you are still hearing from God, like you constantly, like you have a way, a sure way that works for you that you can hear from God. So I don't think it's a problem if that that's dreaming is not maybe God doesn't communicate to me through dreams. I don't think that's a problem at all. So long as the most important thing is to have a relationship with God and be able to hear his voice on a regular basis. I think that's what matters the most. 
Okay, okay, thank you. Um, okay, let's hear you. Let's hear you. Um, yeah, okay. Mine is the second question that's, um, sorry, what's the question? Um, what if I forget my dream? question, sorry. What if I forget okay, my yes. dream? Yes, um, I had, I read something somewhere that's, that said, if God wants to tell you something, you would remember. So if you forget it with that, if it's something that God wants to tell me, I believe I'll remember it either when I wake up or sometime during the day. But I feel like it's when it's not really um, okay. relevant. That you... so, okay, all right, we lost you for a bit. So just go back um, one sentence. Oh, um, okay, can you hear me? Okay. Um, seems there's a network glitch. Okay, so let them just move on um, and merge the two answers. Okay, I think we we lost you. What? Uh, is it on Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Now I can hear you. Yeah. I can hear you now. Yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry, my network was bad. Can you hear me now? Okay, yes, I can. Yeah, just give us a summary of what you were saying, please. Okay, yes, yeah, summary. I said if it is from God, you would remember. And if it is a random dream, I think that's when you remember, like maybe jokes or something random or something that happened, be something you were thinking about. That's when you don't remember. If, if it's a message from God or if it's an instruction from God, I believe you remember it. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so let me start with um, with Joyce's answer. Thankfully, both of you answered the two questions, which um, was great, by the way. Um, so first of all, concerning not dreaming a lot, um, yes, it is given. Some people don't dream as often as others, and um, that is that is very true, right? Um, I already shared with you my personal. My, my wife dreams a lot. My wife dreams every single time she closes her eyes to sleep, and I mean every single time. She closes her eyes to sleep. She has a dream. I don't dream often like that. I don't. Some nights I don't dream. Other nights I dream. Okay. Um, so we can't make it a general rule that everyone must dream as often. However, I just want to say this that I believe at some point or the other, God will speak through, God will speak through dreams to us. We read in Job 33 um, last week. What's the three year? Uh, 28. We read from the book of Job last week that God speaks through dreams, through visions, through one way or the other, even though men do not perceive it. So God speaks through dreams, right? Um, and like I've said already, some people dream more often than others. However, I want to say this, that just as a bit of caution, we should always, we should also make sure that our, um, that our spirits are, you know, fervent enough. When I mean fervent, like I explained, we are where our, the tempo of our spirit is high enough for God to communicate to us through dreams if he decides to. Because sometimes some people, the reason why some people don't dream is because they are probably just too callous. They are probably just too, they are, don't, they are not spiritually active. They are not engaging in God and, and the things of the spirit. So that could be a reason why some people do not dream. Of course, this doesn't mean if you don't dream, you are unspiritual. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying sometimes some people don't dream because they are, they are spiritually dull. That's a better way to say it. They are spiritually dull. So we should make sure that we are sharp in, the, sharp in spiritual things and our spiritual life is up to beats, up to the tempo. 
and then if, so that if God decides to give us a, a dream, we can receive the dream. But if he decides not, then that's fine. We're perfectly okay. I hope we understand that part. Then secondly, for um, to the second question, um, if we forget dreams, there are times, to be honest, that God gives us dreams and we actually forget it. And then what I've learned to do is that um, if I wake up and I had a dream and I, 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 I sense the dream was significant, but I don't remember it, what I basically do is I simply pray and I ask, I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me of that dream. And the Holy Spirit is very faithful because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of things that Jesus has, has spoken to us or Jesus has shown us. So part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of things that has come to us. He tells us or he shows us um, truth. He leads us into all truth, but he also reminds us of the truth. So if I have a dream that I forgot and I perceive in my heart that the dream is significant, then I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me and in his faithfulness, he does remind me. So yes, there are some dreams that are not really important. Maybe I dreamt of, of the food I ate last night or I dreamt of the movie I watched. I, that's not important to me. If I forget it, that's fine. But there are certain dreams where I have and I, I wake up and I sense it is sensitive. I sense, I sense it is important. What I do is that I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me and in his faithfulness, he does remind me of those dreams. So I encourage us to do that as well. If you have a dream, I think it's important then ask the Holy Spirit and he will remind you of the dream as well. Praise God. All right, so we're going to end at this point. Um, if you're not in a WhatsApp group, please feel free to, uh, to reach out to me personally or reach out to anyone that invited you and they could, <clears throat> they could join you, they could add you to the WhatsApp group and we share the recording of the Bible study. We also share the summary of the Bible study on on our, our WhatsApp group, and we also have them uploaded on the on the cloud, so you can download them at will. Okay, so we've come to the end of today's on. I'm, I'm I wish we had more time to still discuss this, but I believe we've learned one or two things and we've been blessed. So uh, we would see next week the same time. Oh, that's true. I said everybody was going was going to, was going to share their video. I forgot to remind us. So please, before we go, just turn on your video. Let's see what your face looks like. Let's um, so that next time we come, we are not strangers to each other. Um, I I believe many of us haven't seen the faces of many of us here. So if you'd be so kind as to turn on your video, if you can, let us just see your face before before we go, um, before we pray and we we close. So yeah, anyone that wants to be generous to share their face, uh, Esther, your camera, your light is is um backing you so we're not seeing clearly oh lily you're on the road we can see you um oh lily you're dark esther you're also dark ah uh -uh, lola we can see you um danielle we can see you hey, lola um dan oh yeah we can see you thank you um <laughs> Esther, yes, we can see your face. Uh, well, not too clear, but yeah, we can see your face and mommy's face a bit. It's so good to see. By the way, I haven't seen Dan in how many years now, to be honest. So good to see you, Dan. So um, good to see you too. So Joy, good to see you. we can see your face. <laughs> That's good. Daniel, we can see you. Thank you. Who else is sharing video? Um, Cecil, Faith, Ruth, or Pear, if you can, just let us see your face. I mean, just so that 
the next time we come, we are more, you know, we're more relaxed around each other. Uh, where was the sharing video? Oh, Faith, thank you. We can see your face now. Um, who else is sharing? Cecil, are you there? Ruth, can you share a video? Ope, Oluwa, can you share a video as well? Okay, Ruth, we can see your face. Yep, with the glasses. Thank you. Um, who else? What was it? Cecil. Can you hear me? If you can, can you share a video so we see you? Yeah. And, um, oh, Cecil. Yeah, good. Good to see you. And I haven't yeah. seen Cecil in how many years? If this is like, Cecil, this is like probably three years now or four years. I haven't seen you. So it's good to see your face. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're the last person we haven't seen. So if you can, if you're comfortable with, fine. If you're not, we'll be sad, but that's fine as well. All right. Okay. So no one else sharing the video. Okay. So let's just say a word of prayer as we close for today. Um, in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for talking to us about dreams, visions, and you know, encouraging us from scriptures about what to do with such encounters. Father, we ask that as we leave from here, your word continues to flourish and grow <clears throat> and grow in our hearts and cause us to. Um, take root in your word. We open our hearts, Father, to receive supernatural encounters from you. We open our hearts to receive any method of communication you decide to employ in speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, and we are grateful for this. To you be all the glory and all the praise, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, guys. Amen. See you next week. Same time, same link, same venue. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Bye. Victor. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank Have you. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye. Good night. Bye.